Hey, welcome to the Living Brightly podcast. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to share your word. I pray, Lord, that you would use my words and use my ideas to speak to each person individually, that they would be able to hear from you, that they would understand your call, and that they would be able, in turn, to be a bright light in this dark world. Be with us today. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, welcome to the Living Brightly podcast. I'm Elaine Cross. I'm your host. And last week, we talked about the significance of 40 in the Bible. And I encouraged you to develop or deepen your relationship with God by doing a fast. But I didn't really define what that was. I just told you, pray and read your Bible. More than anything, it's about committing 40 days to intentionally prioritize your time with God. Carve out a little bit of time every day to work on this very important relationship and connect with God. But what does that mean? I know it's not necessarily something that comes naturally. Because... You know, I realized that you can take 40 days to draw closer to God and you can spend some time in the Bible to facilitate that. But if you don't have any direction as to what to do or how to do it, it kind of becomes another time when you might feel like you're failing. And it's common. This is a common pit that I fell into and I was leading you to fall into. It's not a typical kind of activity. And most Christians and most churches just say, develop your relationship, or they tell you, pray more, or they tell you, read your Bible. But they don't really spend time teaching. You know, Jesus spent three years teaching and training his disciples to take his message worldwide. Now, I'm not Jesus. But I can do better than just say, pray and read your Bible. So that's what we're going to talk about today. How can you actually develop this relationship with God? Now, I know you're a smart cookie. I know you're sound in your faith. You want to serve God. You want to know God more. um, And you want to serve his other children. But maybe all this isn't quite as clear as it could be. I'm not surprised. This was a rather murky issue for me for many years as I tried to learn how to develop a relationship with God. And frankly, it's kind of a murky issue for just about everybody. Because again, the common church model isn't much better than it was 40 years ago when I started. And there's not a lot of direct teaching on some of these things. And this is one of the reasons I started this podcast. So for the next six weeks, we'll journey together over this 40-day period, this 40-day fast, to draw closer to God. And by fasting, I don't mean go 40 days without food unless you are an experienced faster. What I am saying is, for the next 40 days, commit to trying to develop this relationship with God on a more personal level. First, before we do anything else, I want you to do me a favor at some point during this week. Call your mother, not just because I'm a mother, but because 
what happens when she first becomes a mother is relevant to our discussion here. So ask your mom what happened in the days following the birth of her first child. Now, I'm sorry if you're the second child or the third child or like me, the seventh child. Every child is special and every child brings its own little seismic shift to the family dynamic. But none is more significant than that first baby. So ask her what it was like in the few days after her first child was born. Now, her body knew she was pregnant before she did, right? And when she finally found out she was pregnant, some things started to make sense. Either she had been sick or she was tired. She was either more joyful and happy or she was a little more irritable. There's a number of little different things that happen uniquely to every potential mother, every budding mother. But the body was busy nurturing, supplying, protecting, and growing that baby for, well, you guessed it, 40 weeks. Now, an interesting thing happens very far into the pregnancy, about the 36th, 37th week. There's this switch that gets flipped within the mother and this drive, this determination kind of just floods her to get ready for baby. The clothes, the crib, the blankets, the stuffed animals, whatever, everything needs to be organized. It needs to be in its place. Anything that was on the to-do list has to be completed. If it's moving furniture or painting walls, at this point, the office is now a nursery, right? These things happen. Or the drawer is cleaned out so the baby can sleep in the drawer. Whatever it is, God built in this, this switch, if you will. It's the best way I can describe it. So he built this in to push women to make everything ready so that they're not worried or concerned or all of a sudden think about those things like getting the, the crib ready and the clothes ready and what the baby's going to wear the first day and all that stuff so that she can focus on labor. She can put all of her attention, all of her energy, all of her strength into delivering the baby and she's going to need it. Now, your mom loves you and she loves talking about her children. So just ask her, especially if you're a man, because this is different for you. But even if you're a mother and you've given birth to your own children, if your mom's still alive, ask her what happened the days after the birth of her first child. And I mean, obviously, you know who that is. You could name names, but you get the point. So now you've got your first homework assignment. Let's talk about this relationship. This concept of spending time with God. Now, similar to that switch within a mother, very close to going into labor, we have a switch within us. We have this place within us that craves a connection with God. And when you decided to believe in Jesus and make a commitment to follow him, there was this surge of energy that you wanted to let people know, you wanted to talk about it, you wanted to encourage other people to hear about Jesus. And it was just this real exciting time that you wanted just everybody to know. Well, like all new things, the novelty kind of wears off. 
And even though it's really important to you and it's significant and you've probably changed your life a bit, developing and maintaining that connection with God can be a little different. You can't see, you can't touch, you can't even hear God. And many people struggle with this. And I know because I've seen the signs and frankly, I've struggled with it myself. And it can take years to figure out, but I don't want you to have to take years. In addition to maybe not knowing how or what to do or why it's important, uh, there's things that you may have heard, been told, or things that you assume to be that are just not true. Uh, Religion can do that, even unintentionally. But there are two major things that are required for any relationship to flourish time and communication. The more time you spend with another person, the stronger the relationship is or can be. Likewise, communicating with another person builds relationship. And frankly, lack of either one threatens relationship, but lack of both will just kill it. So these are unique things to think about for any relationship, right? We have to Develop the kind of relationship based on the time that we spend together and the situation we're in, right? A work relationship is going to be very different than a personal intimate relationship or a relationship with a a spouse is not the same as a relationship with a sibling or a parent. So this is this relationship with God. How do we spend time with God? Well, my husband has told me many times that you make time for what's important to you. And that resonates with me in times when I feel rejected, right? Or I feel like I'm being devalued or unimportant. But it's also kind of a sting when I realize I waste time doing things that are less important, making the people that I love wait or do things without me. Time is finite. And we don't know how much of it we actually really have. So spending it should always be mindful and intentional. Though, you know, as humans, that's not often the case. We get into a routine and we get up and we go through the motions and we end the day. And the next thing you know, it's a week later, it's a month later, and, you know, it's a year later. And we've just kind of gone through the motions. Let's do a thought experiment. Consider an endearing and lasting love story. I don't know why the movie The Notebook kind of comes to mind, right? Well, I'm a woman, so to make this easy to explain, I'm going to use the other, consider the other person a man. If you're a man, obviously you can switch it to her where I say him or whatever. So you see him the first time and it's kind of interesting. You want to get to know him. Maybe you've talked to him a couple times in social gatherings, and then you go on the first date. Everything goes really well. You are interested, he's interested, and you want to get to know each other better. So over the next several weeks, more and more time is devoted to him. I think about him. We have activities together. We go on dates and dreams, right? My mind can suddenly consider him. What's he doing? How is this day going? 
I'll see somebody do or say something and it makes me smile. It makes me think of them. I'll have some extravagant view of what the future might hold. You know, I might, oh, I can't wait to kiss him or, oh, I can't imagine what it will be like if I become Mrs. Cross, right? Because that did happen. (laughs) Or just, we're going to have the best night tonight. It's going to be so good. So the dates and the time spent with each other's company is exciting. And it, it fuels these times when we're not together and I'm thinking about them. The other tasks of life also seem to lose some of their importance. You know, there's undeniable draws on your life every day. And the time allotted to every day is divided up into stuff like sleeping and eating and working and fixing the house and going to church. And if you have kids, there's that whole time commitment. The amount of time you have in your day is often dictated by what season of life you're in, right? If you're in college or if you have kids or if you're taking care of your parents or all these different things got a big commitment at work because you've got this big client that you have to fill, right? You've got different pulls at different times, but you have to make time for those things that must be taken care of. Where does God fit into your schedule? Do you go to church once a month? Do you go every Sunday? How often do you think of him? Do you give him a minute here or there? Or maybe you attend church every Sunday. And listen to a podcast like this one. I recommend it. Uh, What about when somebody asks you to pray for them? Well, that's good. These are all good things. But these might not be enough to develop a personal relationship. Church service is important and being in that community is important. Being in that community is important. But church is really a passive activity unless you're the minister. Listening to a podcast, again, is great. But again, it's kind of passive for you, except when I give you homework. Praying for someone is important. But what about praying for you? And I'm not talking about just what you want. It's not your, you know, Santa Claus wish list. God, give me this, give me that, give me the other thing. Let's consider another thought experiment. Think about a famous person you admire. Let's say a president. What president of the United States do you admire? Say you listen to their interviews and their campaign speeches. You go to a campaign event. You see them in person. You talk to some friends about them at party headquarters. Do you know the president? Well, maybe you know him a little, but have you ever met him? No. Does the president know you? Absolutely not. If you sent him a note, would he even care? Would he know? But imagine if you really had a personal relationship with the president. Now, unlike the president, you have a standing invitation to develop a truly personal relationship with the king of the universe. The Lord God Almighty made a way so that you and him could know each other intimately as a father and child or a mother and child. I know you've heard this, and it sounds a little fantastical, but you can develop a relationship with God. Even though you can't see him, you can't hear him, you can't touch him, 
And really, it starts with time, prioritizing time for God. Let's take a break right here. And I want to remind you that this is a Value for Value podcast. Thank you for listening. If you're enjoying this podcast and find value in what you hear, all I ask is you turn that value into a number and go to elainecross.com and make a donation. I freely provide my time, talent, and treasure to publish it, but I need your help to continue to provide this for you. I know people need to hear this, so I won't set up a paywall or subscription level. I refuse to be beholden to advertising corporations that control the content. You are who I want to serve. So help produce the next episode to spark the light in someone else to push back against the chaos of darkness, one person at a time. Go to elainecross.com, that's E-L-A-Y-N-E, cross as in Jesus died on the cross, dot com, and make a donation. Then send a note to me at donation at elainecross.com. Let's continue. Now we talked about when you first get saved. Yeah, it's kind of like couples with the honeymoon stage, right? You get this fascination and delight, and then adulting seems to settle over. And without notice, you become the sandwich generation, and you're stuck between caring for your own children and caring for your parents. And then maybe you're retired. But all along through that, you and your spouse have been two dynamic individuals committed to oneness in this beautiful, fragile, strong, but interdependent relationship. But it requires constant tending. Not because it's a chore, but because you can't imagine life without this other person. Life is dynamic. And each day brings opportunities to spend the most precious resource you have, time. How you spend it depends on part the season of life you're in. Similarly, if you over-organize it and you plan it excessively, you kind of box yourself in. But if you don't plan anything, it's almost like a useless indulgence just whittles it away and it's gone. So you need to plan how you use your time. And you don't want to be in either extreme, right? You don't want to be so scheduled into a corner that you have no give time. And you don't want to be so loosey-goosey that you don't complete anything in any kind of relevant way. But God wants you to have the best life you can live. And he wants to be part of that life. And he wants you to invite him into your life. So when you commit to spend time with someone, you carve out that time in your day. And part of spending that time together is learning to communicate with somebody you don't really have any history with, you don't really have a connection with, right? It can be slow and it can be awkward. Uh, You know, when you think about meeting somebody for the first time, a lot of, you know, you go to a party and you don't know anybody there and you're striking up a conversation and you back and forth questions, trying to find some kind of common ground, some kind of ry- rhythm so that subtopics and other things can reveal some kind of connection and some kind of way to communicate. One thing I have to, I have to add here, though, is when you meet somebody, even a potential spouse, 
there's this idea kind of hovering in the background for some people of value added. What's in it for me? What does this person offer me and at what cost? What can I offer and, and what will they give in return? Now, we don't generally think about that, but we do evaluate relationships in that way because, you know, we don't quantitatively, you know, keep a check and balance kind of thing. Oh, you did this. So I have to do that. You did. I did this. You should do that. But it's it's kind of there. And there are those, those non-negotiables that can make you get to a point where you're like, no, this relationship is just not going anywhere. I don't have time for this person. It could be the fact that maybe the person just, and you know the one, always seems to have something to complain about and it can be just exhausting. Or someone who twists every conversation to be about them or their focus and their wants and their needs above yours. You want a relationship with someone you want to communicate with someone you want to spend time with someone who wants the best for you and can offer you support when you need support when you can offer them support you know a mutually beneficial relationship another way we communicate that is kind of unique to humans is body language right and, and body language can tell us a lot and we don't we don't get that with God. A, we're not going to get someone who's inattentive. We're not going to get someone who complains all the time. We're not going to get someone who has an ulterior motive. God is not someone who uh, doesn't want to hear about your troubles and only wants to try and correct you or direct you or force you into something you don't know necessarily want to do. He's not going to lead you down the wrong path or abandon you in your time of need. Now let's talk about face-to-face. And I know this is, this is hard because we can't just invite God over and he'll sit on the couch. You'll see the imprint. You'll see his face. You'll talk to him face-to-face, right? But I want to share how rare That really is. Moses wanted to see God's glory. And in Exodus 33 is the story of Moses wanting to see God's glory. And God's basically, no, you can't see see me, but you can hide in the cleft of the rock and I'll put my hand up and you can see my back as I pass by. And that was as much as Moses saw of God's glory. And yet it says that Moses talked to God face to face. And Enoch walked with God. That's in Genesis 5. And Noah walked with God. That's in Genesis 6. Now these two people, Enoch and Noah, walked with God. Moses spoke with God and followed God, but he never walked with God. Now, it's said that Levi walked with God, but his descendants ruined that covenant in Malachi 2. 
So people walked with God. God asked Abraham to walk before him and be blameless. These are very rare, but they're still less intimate than walking with God, right? And then in Deuteronomy, God tells the Israelites he's walking with them to fight for them and to save them. And he says, since the Lord God walks in your camp, the camp must be holy. He must not see anything indecent among you. But there's a difference in these relationships. Walking with God is much more intimate and personal than walking before God, walking behind God, or have God walking among or within our ranks, even though his care and his concern is for us. In human interpersonal relationship terms, you can talk about your boss, you can meet with your boss, you can be shown his plan for the company while you remain at arm's length. You're an employee. Likewise, the boss might go undercover, might do the undercover boss and walk amongst the workers to improve working conditions. But there's still this barrier, right? There's still the boss, employee, superior, subordinate. And God wants more than that. He wants a relationship on the lines of, on the lines of him and Adam and Eve, but not from a point of ignorance or compulsion, a knowing, rational, intentional choice made by you. He wants it. He's telling you he wants it, but you have to step up and make it happen. He knocks, you have to answer, right? Last week I said, you'll, you find what you look for. We have to look for it. Now, Jesus made a way when Jesus tore the veil, the barrier that was created by law and sin, preventing us from a relationship with God. Now, you probably noticed, but just to be clear so that we all understand this, the two individuals who walked with God, Enoch and Noah, did so before the Abrahamic covenant, before the law. And Levi, as a group or a tribe, they were the priests, were credited as walking with God only because once a year on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, the high priest would go through strict cleansing rituals and enter into the Holy of Holies, which is where the Ark of the Covenant was, to make a sacrifice before God for all of Israel and, of course, for himself. This one annual sacrifice in the presence of the Ark was in the presence of God was as close as anyone got to God, except Moses, until Jesus. Now, Jesus came and he willingly paid the price of death so that he could once again have full relationship with God, not based on bloodline, not based on your gender, not based on your works, based on what Jesus Christ did alone. So now this door is open. It's open for anyone who wants to enter. And you're still listening, so you probably believe in Jesus and what he completed, his payment in full. 
And you're like, yeah, but what now? All this talk about time and communication and how do I do it? (laughs) Well, I just want you to understand the immense significance of what has been offered. You've been offered not only the ability to walk with God, as Noah and Enoch did, but to speak with God, to sit down with God. You have greater access to the creator and king of the universe than any person who lived before Christ. But again, the move is yours. God's not going to force himself on you. He's not going to make demands of you. He doesn't want you to do or be anything specific. He's waiting for you to seek him and keep seeking him because he made the way. As I said, Christians tell you to develop your relationship with God, but they drop the ball on how to do it. Frankly, I'm not surprised because few of us have been taught. Most of us learn by trial and error. More error, I'm afraid. (laughs) And I'm grateful for Bible colleges and seminary training, but I think more is taught because of tradition than actual experience. Experience has taught me that we all grow in a very unique way. Therefore, when Jesus tells us not to judge, judge not lest you be judged, it's because what God is dealing with with you is not the same thing God is dealing with me. Let's just take something as common or simple as smoking or drinking. There's plenty of Christians out there that will berate you because they look at these things as sin. Other Christians are like, ah, it's not a sin. And yet, there are some people who have been profoundly convicted that they should stop smoking or they should stop drinking, not because of religion, although there's plenty of religions that will tell you it's wrong, but because God has kind of led them to a place where they shouldn't drink. Maybe he wants to use them in a place where drinking is a problem, or God wants them to stop smoking because he wants to take them to a place where the people you'll have influence with are really offended by smoking, and God doesn't want you to offend them. I don't see anything inherently wrong or evil with either of those things. I personally can't stand the smell of smoke. I don't like any kind of smoking. But I know a lot of people who enjoy cigar smoke or pipe smoke or smoking in general. It's not for us to judge each other. It's for God to lead us to the place where he can use us for his purposes to minister to his other children. The difference is God deals with us individually now, where under the law, there was this group of laws and everybody had to follow the laws. There was these standards and these protocols and these things you can do and things you cannot do. And everybody was exactly the same. Now, there are still some natural laws, which we'll talk about over the next six weeks. But there's a huge difference between now and during the Abrahamic covenant. There was a big shift from pre-Abrahamic covenant and, let's say, the flood, or the flood and the Abrahamic covenant, whatever. The difference between Noah and Enoch, which came before the law, And Adam, which was before the sin, 
and the gift of Jesus after he ascended, and that is the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And that was in Acts 1. Further, in, in, he said, John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And th- that was a direct quote and fulfillment of Joel 2, which is in the Old Testament. And the Holy Spirit has been poured out on all flesh, meaning you don't have to be a believer to have the Holy Spirit working on you, which is who convicts you of your sin and who draws you to Jesus. That's that urge you had to go back to church. That's that draw you had to learn something more. That's that that pull within you to build this relationship with Jesus, with, with God. And when you confess your belief in faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live within you. And this is something that is so mind-blowingly different. No one even considered the possibility before Christ, even when Christ was here. It's, it was impossible with the barrier of sin, the veil, if you will, that, that Christ tore. And once Christ satisfied all the requirements of the law, he didn't excuse you. He paid for your sin. The cost of your sin was death. Jesus died to pay that price. That's why it's called the law of sin and death. But now we have the Holy Spirit, which makes things so different. We can't even comprehend what it was like before the Holy Spirit was poured out on all flesh. Nobody can explain it because it's been this way for 2,000 years. So even the, the Jews who live today are blessed with the presence of the Holy Spirit on an individual basis, which is completely different than it was before. We can't wrap our minds around it. And because of this unique transformation with the Holy Spirit living within you, you have a direct line of communication between you and God. So where communication seems like, how do I talk to somebody I can't see? How do I talk to somebody I can't hear? Individually, it has never been easier or more personal than now because of the Holy Spirit, because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, because he ascended into heaven and sent the Holy Spirit to be available to everybody. So how do we pray? Well, praying is simply talking to God. And every like everything, practice makes things easier or better and you get, you get more efficient at it. But with practice, you can actually sense God's response through the Spirit because your body, you are body, soul, and spirit. So your spirit can easily converse with the Spirit of God, only the Spirit is spirit. It's not physical. We don't sense it with our emotions and our physical body, and it's not the same kind of communication, although it is, but it isn't. It's hard to explain. <laughs> um. Talk to God about anything. You can ask him anything. You can tell him anything. You can get mad. You can get sad. You can get giddy. You can whatever. He knows your emotions. Jesus experienced them all. God knows sometimes we humans just need to talk things out. We need to get things off our chest. And who better than the one who knows it all anyway? You're not hiding anything from God. He knows it. He sees it. He's, he knows you better than you know yourself. Because he knows the true you that's probably buried under some lies and some assumptions that the world has just put on you 
because your enemy doesn't want you to have a good, solid, vibrant relationship with God. Now, the Holy Spirit may also prompt you to share things with your spouse. Or he may relieve you of a negative perspective that you hadn't considered. Right? But processing that out with God, as opposed to just processing it out with your buddies over a beer at the local pub or your girlfriends at, you know, your quote unquote Bible study where all you're doing is complaining about your spouses, it's better to take things to God and ask for his help. Not just complain to God, but say, you know, I need help in this. I don't know how to handle this. I don't know how to proceed with this. I don't know, I don't know what to do next. You've decided to get started. You're going to set some time aside for God. You're going to grow re- your relationship with God. And you know time is important, but communication is also important. So carve out time, even 10 minutes. Now talk to him. Thank him for preserving his word. Thank you for this podcast for the people in your life who have encouraged you and and helped you learn and grow, but tell them you want to learn from him. He sent the Holy Spirit to teach you and God promised to answer you when you call. Now, initially it's going to be hard to hear or feel that gentle guidance of the Holy Spirit. That's okay. Ask your questions, any question. There's nothing off the table. God knows what's going on. He knows where you're at. God wants to answer your questions because when we ask questions, we're, we're eager to learn and he wants to teach us where we're questioning. Um, just start. Ask him to give you eyes to see and ears to hear him for all he has for you today. God wants to connect with you. He's not going to force you. He's not going to push himself into your life. So you have to welcome him in. You have to ask for his wisdom, ask for his guidance, ask for clarity and peace, whatever you need. If you don't know what to ask, tell him, Holy Spirit, I don't even know what I need today, but I believe you can help me guide me into your truth for me today. Talk a little, but you know, Conversations go both ways. So you have to spend a little time quiet. You have to listen. You have to try to hear a response. And yeah, it's going to come as a thought probably in your mind or, or an idea in your mind. That's okay. Just respond to that, you know, like riding a bike. Nobody is perfect the first time they get on a bike. Everybody wobbles, everybody falls over, everybody struggles. But eventually, just about everybody can learn how to ride a bike. God is calling you to himself, to relationship. That is the pinnacle of what God wants for us and what will bless us the most. God wants to build that relationship through time and communication. Your time and mutual communication. Remember, God's outside of time, but you're bound by time and space. So it's in this time and space that you have to choose to connect with God or be separate from Him. Connecting with God is relational. Separating is isolating. So take this time, set a few minutes aside every day, 10 minutes in the morning, 
taking yourself away from everything. That's not too much to ask. Pray on your way to or from work. Just say, God, you know, this is what's going on in my life and I don't know what to do about it. Or I'm really excited about this. Thanks for opening this door. Add gratefulness because gratefulness is, it is like fertilizer for your spirit. It really puts down the weeds and the muck and the, the stuff that's trying to make your spirit sour or undetectable. I don't know. Your body, soul, and spirit, you have a spirit. But how connected are you to your spirit physically or emotionally, right? Your soul is kind of that in-between, between your body and your spirit. So the more emotional unrest you have, the more depression, anxiety, just stress in your soul, your your emotions, your mind, your will, your emotions. So the more that is disrupted, the less connection you have to the spirit part of you, which means the less connection you have to God. And gratefulness settles a lot of that. It just, it sifts it out. And it, I'm telling you, it's like, Weed killer and fertilizer all at the same time for your soul. And when your soul kind of takes that shift into gratitude and peace, connecting with God becomes a whole lot easier. So if you're going to do one thing, start with gratitude. Get in your car, start driving to work, turn the radio off, turn this podcast off, and just tell God, things that you are grateful for. Even if you do that for five minutes every day, you're going to see God's move in your life and you're going to feel more driven to, okay, I can carve out 10 minutes after I eat dinner or before I go to bed or after I get the kids down. But before we watch TV, I can we can carve out 10 minutes and share with each other, husband and spouse. But you need to find time for yourself to spend time with God whatever that looks like. If it means you go to your bedroom, if it means you go to the kitchen table and you say, hey, I'm going to do my quiet time. I need some space. If you are grateful and if you identify places where God has blessed you, identify doors that God has opened for you, identify places that God has moved to put you in a position where you can be blessed or you can bless others or you can just, you know, you just see the hand of God. It will change your soul, which will make you connect to God easier because it will quiet your heart, your mind, your will, your emotions, all of that will settle. All of that will calm down. If you're dealing with depression or anxiety or stress or life is just overwhelming, start with gratefulness. Well, this has been good and this is going to be a good six weeks. I'm really, I'm really seeing how God can really use this for me and for you. I love talking about connecting with God because I think it's something that is not taught and it's not easily caught and it doesn't have to be that difficult. So we're going to spend some time trying to do some little things so that you can start to develop your own relationship with God, your own communication style your own lifeline, if you will, that pushes out into eternity. It pushes beyond time and space. We are bound by time and space, but it, it pushes us out into eternity to connect with God who is outside of time and space. 
Take some time this week. Do grateful. Do communicating. And we're going to talk about reading your Bible next week and some other tidbits to help you grow closer to God. So for now, I am grateful for you. I'm grateful for your listening. And I'm grateful for God giving me this opportunity to share this with you. And I'm thankful for all the blessings that he has prepared for you and for me today. You can go to elainecross.com and download Connecting to Your True Power Source. Let me tell you a little about it right now. Do you want to start or further develop a relationship with Jesus? Go to elainecross.com slash Jesus and download the free ebook, Connecting to Your True Power Source. It covers connecting with Jesus, choosing a Bible, how to pray, and finding a church home and more. Again, that's elainecross.com forward slash Jesus. Till next time.